The Will Cain Show podcast is presented by the Capital One Saver Card. Earn 4% cash back on dining and entertainment, 2% at grocery stores, and 1% on all of their purchases. I think we should do what we just did more often. We've got this three-hour spot here. It's a little tough on Mondays, but just use this to try to inform the country a little bit more about details you may be overlooking. We just had two pilots on. I, I feel like pilots just tell us it's 10 minutes to make us feel better, knowing that it's not going to be. I think that's kind of how life works sometimes, putting the pain on layaway with Will Kane today. <laughs> Scott on Twitter tells us his dad is an air traffic controller. Pilots are notorious liars, <laughs> comma, apparently. <laughs> right, because we just had two pilots on that said it's not really us. The paperwork, we're all getting it from air traffic. We're the messengers, really. Yeah, we just, I mean, hell, I just got a hat. <laughs> Want some wings? <laughs> it's the Rosilla Show on ESPN Radio and the ESPN app. It's the Amazon Black Friday Deals Week. Get free shipping on millions of items with eligible orders over $25 now through November 24th. So NFL-wise, we're going to talk about your Cowboys a little bit later. Booger McFarland, Tim Hasselbeck, so NFL college. Let's start with college. Jim Mora fired by UCLA, six seasons with him as the head coach. They lose to USC on Saturday night, a competitive game where they were a 16-point, 14-point dog, depending on where you looked at it. But Mora's out, and it's not even the question of Mora disease. You deserve this. We understand what happened. You had Rosen. You had him for three years. It didn't get any better. You're out. If you're Chip Kelly, do you want to go to UCLA or Florida? Man, I go back and forth. Back and forth. On what he what you would do or what he should do? Well, they're one and the same. I can't I think I don't know that I would do anything different than Chip Kelly. Here's the deal. Let me lay it out for you. Here's the pros and cons. At first I'm like, it's UCLA. I would rather go to UCLA. And here's the argument for UCLA. A in capital letters, it's in Westwood. Los Angeles, California, Westwood. What are you saying about Gainesville? I'm saying that UCLA is in Westwood. Okay. And it is nice. And I also think Chip has a proven record of success on the West Coast. I think that California is one of the biggest recruiting bases in the nation, and the only school that apparently can have any success in pulling them in is USC. And the truth of the matter is USC has a pretty national recruiting base. They're pulling guys from everywhere. California, I think, is ripe for somebody to go in and just dominate. I've always thought that UCLA is a little bit like the New York Knicks, a program that is completely underperforming, a franchise you could take over and take to the top. And I feel like Chip, going to the West Coast, recruiting from that base, could make UCLA what I've always thought UCLA could be. And then I remember Florida's a top five job. Florida's a better job. Right. Yes. So as much as USC has been better, and I'd say in Southern California, because Stanford's done a great job recruiting, so you don't want to say the whole state, as if none of the other You've schools. You've got to be able to beat right. Stanford. Your academic requirements are too high. Right, and that was part of the problem, they'd say, with UCLA, that their standards are higher than USC. I don't know. A lot of this stuff sounds like excuse-making, even though it's not necessarily inaccurate. But I don't know what Chip is going to do. I would think, yes, yeah, stay out on the West Coast. You already have those recruiting connections. You've already recruited in that area. His whole thing at Oregon was what we run we can bring a few of those guys up. I don't have to have a roster stacked with all these four- and five-star guys. I can figure out a way to make it work. I mean, the guy only lost seven games while I was at Oregon. I'd argue during that time, Chip never lost a game where you go, that's a bad loss. That loss makes no sense. That's how good of a job he did at Eugene. So why couldn't he do that again at UCLA? And doesn't UCLA, between the two of them, seem like the easier reincarnation of Oregon? It seems like the logical you know, next version of Oregon. Well, it does, and we have brought up when you're hiring Chip, what are you hiring? But I think even though it's not going to be 
as different as it was when Oregon first got this thing rolling, back when he wasn't even the head coach yet, and you go, what are they doing up there? And more people are doing it. I trust that Chip would figure out a way. I do. Now, I don't know which one he prefers. People that talk about Chip say UCLA. But what I've heard is that it's not so much not wanting to go to the SEC, as maybe I originally thought. It's not so much the connections on the West Coast that would make all the sense in the world. But if UCLA's moved on from the $12 million buyout with Mora, then that means they're ready to go some big game hunting here. That if Chip is in the room and he trusts the people that pitch him more, then that's that's the difference maker. It's not geography. It's not conference. It's not legacy. It's not who am I replacing and all these different things. He's in a fishbowl in Gainesville far more than he is if he's out in Westwood. But if he just likes the presentation and trusts the people and the support around him, he's going to pick that school. And I don't know which one that is. I don't know how the pitches are going to go down because we had all these rumors about Chip and what he was doing. Apparently they have met, although there was a report that there was a plane coming up here to Hartford. I don't know. You know, I don't think they had food here at the cafeteria. Uh, but here is Chip being really evasive on the whole thing. I was in New Hampshire last week, so I really enjoy what I'm doing now. I think Florida is an outstanding program and, and uh, has had so much success here with Urban, Steve Spurrier. I think whoever gets that job will be really lucky. Okay, and you weren't here? No, you I wasn't in, New in Hampshire. Bristol. I'm on Bristol on the weekends. Bristol on the weekends. I'm in New Hampshire during the week. Let me just lay out two more things on this sort of teeter-tottering. Number one, life is about expectations. Succeeding is largely a matter of what you're expected to do. Dan Mullen and Kevin Sumlin have similar records at Mississippi State and Texas A&M. Kevin Sumlin's on the firing block, and Dan Mullen's rumored to go to a bigger program. Why? Because of expectations. But on the other side of the equation, if you're Chip and you go to Florida and you get fired five years down the road, you know where else you can still get a job? UCLA. If you go to UCLA and it doesn't work out, you never get that Florida chance again. That's true. I don't know if you're as accomplished as Chip is in the college level if you think that way, though. He doesn't think. We do that a lot, and nothing you said there is inaccurate, but if it's the actual person that has to make the decision, somebody that sees greatness in themselves, and Chip's thinking he got screwed in Philadelphia, and he's thinking the San Francisco thing was a joke. Like, what was I supposed to do? And then I'm out after one year? Like, are you guys kidding me? He's not looking in the mirror seeing some failure, so I don't think he's making the decision going, What's the better soft yeah. spot landing after this one doesn't work out? If I screw up in Florida, <laughs> right. I can still get like, If You're he right. takes the Florida job, he thinks he's going to be awesome at Florida, and I don't really know why he would think any differently. You're totally right. The other rumor that's awesome with Will Kane here on the Rosillo Show is Gruden again. Off-season, Gruden is a dangerous one, and there was a report that he was at this restaurant in Knoxville, Calhoun's, with Peyton Manning, and apparently nobody got a picture of it, and the restaurant was even tweeting out, like, our waiter said that that's who it was, and then ends up not being that person. Okay, so I don't know. Nobody in the, like, the... The Bruce Feldmans, the Andy Staples, the Pat Forties, our guys. Like, There's no one that I've read that says Gruden's going to Knoxville. And he went on with Mike and Mike last week to address these rumors. And I think he deserves to give us, and I'll, let me preface this. This is going to be very popular, what I'm about to do. But I think he should give us a more concise answer. Here he is. All I really have in my life is, is my family and football. That's about it. And uh, I'm real sensitive to the coaches that are out there coaching, so I don't speculate. I just love football. I'm trying to hang on to the job I have. I'm very fortunate to be with the people I'm, I'm with. Uh, I don't know what's going to happen in the future. I just know this. I'm going to continue to give my best effort to the game, stay prepared, and uh, I love Monday night football. Don't plan on leaving, but as you know in life, you never say never to nothing. Okay, concise is the wrong word. What I should have said is I think we deserve forthcoming. 
It's going to be weird because it sounds like I'm in another guy's pocket, and it's also a coworker. Although I don't, not like I see Gruden every day. Um, if Gruden doesn't take the Tennessee job, if he actually has no interest in the Tennessee job, he can be more revealing in that answer. Can or should? He should be. But if he wants the Tennessee job or then, he's interested in the Tennessee job, then I have no problem with him being vague. Like these guys are all vague; they're they're vague all the time. But I do think that you're saying you have, if there's no legitimate interest, why talk that way? Yeah. If Gruden goes, I don't even want it. Then he should answer. Like if he ends up staying here Monday night or took another job, say in the NFL in the off season, I'd rather him be more specific in that answer well, than be that would. vague. Of course you would, because you're in the media and you want to know what's going on. Yeah, but this feels different because it's every single offseason with this stuff, and it makes me think he likes it. Okay, so you see Chip's evasive answer differently than Gruden's evasive answer, because they were both equally evasive. Yes, yes. yes. And well, you see them that? differently. Yes. All right, I'll explain that next with Will Kane here the Rosillo Show. It's ESPN Radio. In life, there are talkers and there are doers. Sometimes it's not hard to tell the difference. Mike Bloomberg has spent his life getting big things done. Starting his business out of a one-room office, Mike built a company with 20,000 employees, all with good pay and quality health care. Elected mayor in the aftermath of 9-11, Mike got to work helping rebuild a shaken city, creating nearly 500,000 new jobs and expanding health care for nearly 700,000 New Yorkers. Now, there's a clear choice. Do you want a debater or a doer? Someone who can fix health care, who's done it. A guy who's unafraid of tough challenges, who has a track record creating jobs, who's taken on the NRA and won. That's Mike Bloomberg, a proven leader who can unite our country and get big things done. That's who can beat Trump. That's who we need in the White House. I'm Mike Bloomberg, candidate for president, and I approve this message. Paid for by Mike Bloomberg 2020. Geico presents, oh boy, another voicemail from your roommate. Hey, I got some bad news. Someone broke into our apartment and they took your TV and your computer. But what's most upsetting is they took my water bottle. Oh wait, there it is. I was really worried for a second. Oh, they took your stereo too. The Geico Insurance Agency could help keep your personal property protected. Like if your roommate is only worried about her $2 aluminum water bottle. Visit Geico.com to see how easy it is to switch and save on renter's insurance. So I want to finish up on what I was talking about because I don't I don't know that I did it in the best possible way. I could have been more thorough in my explanation. But Gruden went on with Mike and Mike last week, was asked about the Tennessee rumors because that's what happens every offseason with Gruden and all these different jobs. And then he comes back and, and works for us on Monday Night Football. So here was his answer again. All I really have in my life is, is my family and football. That's about it. And uh, I'm real sensitive to the coaches that are out there coaching, so I don't speculate. I just love football. I'm trying to hang on to the job I have. I'm very fortunate to be with the people I'm I'm with. Uh, I don't know what's going to happen in the future. I just know this. I'm going to continue to give my best effort to the game, stay prepared, and uh, I love Monday night football. Don't plan on leaving, but as you know in life, you never say never to nothing. Okay, I understand all those things. I understand as a football guy, you you can miss it. He's become a really hot commodity after the fact which is always kind of amazing when you're in the public spotlight enough, and he's so good on TV. I think he's become incredible as an analyst, and the Gruden uh, Gruden QB camp stuff. Like, like, Everybody loves him. They loves his personality. But if I were a really important person at ESPN and a decision maker, I would go, are we going to do this every offseason? 
We do that. Now, if it ends up being better for him, if it allows him to renegotiate stuff for him, I don't want to be in another guy's pockets on this deal. I understand it. Like, it could be leverage play for him every offseason. He gets a little bit more money. Um, all right, then that's fine. But if he has no interest in the Tennessee job, specifically the Tennessee job, then part of me thinks that he's this vague because he loves being talked about every offseason. And you think that's unfair? Yeah, I do. And you think that's unfair as compared to Chip Kelly's evasiveness, because he's equally evasive right now when asked about whether or not he wants to go to UCLA or Florida. And you're saying it's different because Gruden's is every year, where Kelly is doing it for the first time, really. This is Chip's third month here. And he's got a good gig, but it's not Monday Night Football. And all indications that he's going to jump back into this and coach whenever he can. Like, what if Gruden has no interest coaching? What if he has no interest in coaching at Tennessee? If he has no interest, I mean, I get where you're coming from. I mean, if he has no interest, it still serves him a personal purpose. I mean, creating that leverage you talked about from an employer's perspective, if not creating more money, creates more, I don't know, value to you being there. I mean, I get it. I get why he he would do it. I also get what you're saying. Like, after a while, as this game plays out, off-season after off-season— you know, if you're on the other side of that relationship, you might be, hey, are you with us? Like, what is this? He went on out in ESPN 710. This is up in Seattle. He was on with Brock Heward. And they were asking him when he was coming into Seattle for tonight's Monday Nighter, by the way, on ESPN 830 Eastern against the Atlanta Falcons. And this was unprompted, right? Totally unprompted. This was part of Gruden's answer on coming back to Seattle. When did you get to Seattle? Hey, I get in Saturday, and I can't wait to get out there. Hope to see you guys. I uh, hear... You were heading out to Knoxville and uh, just be singing that song, man. That's a great song, Rocky Top. What the hell is wow. what the hell is that? So I'm sure some are listening to me do this, going, you know, how dare you? Who are you? I'm like, I, yeah, totally. But I'd rather be this than because I technically work with somebody, never suggesting like, what are we doing? What are we doing every off season? I'm not a very important person here. Okay. But if You're I were to me, thank you, Will. But if if I were a really important person, I would understand the leverage play. I'm I'm not knocking that at all. But if Gruden has no interest in the Tennessee job at all and is doing that, well, we'll never know, man. Honestly, well, we will when he doesn't take it. Well, that won't tell us if he ever had any interest. Just tell us that ultimately he did not have the interest. Do you think if Gruden, you really could, will never know. You uh, could never. You, okay. Do you think Gruden would rather coach in Knoxville? Or wait for the right NFL job. I don't know because I think Gruden could have pretty much any job he wants. Yeah, and if you any can, job he wants, unless there's some heartstring things going on there in Knoxville, there's better jobs for Gruden if and when he wants them. And yeah, I think it's different because Chip's been here a couple of months, and I'm sure there's plenty of people who disagree. So to watch out, Chip Ryan's watching <laughs> <laughs> at Rosillo Show with Will Cantor, one hundred flowers dot com Twitter feed. Tweet the show during the holidays. Show the most important people in your life just how thankful you are for the 1-800-Flowers.com. Uh, options that we have for you right now, you can score 24 multicolored roses for only $24. To order, go to 1-800-Flowers.com slash ESPN. How are you, my friend, in the aftermath of weeks of Dak over Wentz, considering what we saw last night? How much longer is it till the commercial break? You get about two and a half, three minutes. I got to evade for two and a half minutes on this? How about that Rocky Top? <laughs> Man, that's a heck of a song. Man, it was a rough one last night. I mean. You thought you were in it a while, too. That's what hurts even more. I don't even care about the social media. I don't even care about all the people, the thousands of people. 
saying, hey, how about that Dak over Wentz take? Look, Dak was awful last night. Dak was really bad. Really bad. I don't think that's the quarterback that Dak is. I don't think it's the quarterback that he's been over the first 25 games of his career. I don't think Carson was great for what it's worth. He made the plays he had to make when he needed to make them. His but, third quarter was awesome. Who are you kidding? Man, look, he, he went 11 passes in a row without completing one. He threw for 168 yards quarter? last night, man. Yeah. I, he, he, look, he made some great plays. Damian Wilson had him done, sacked. And all six foot five of him did this like duck shimmy maneuver and then completed a pass. It was amazing. Carson's great. And right now I'm going to lose that debate. I know full well on the Dak Wentz debate. I'm not even sure I'm going to win it with myself, but I'm going <laughs> to. But do you have to make up your mind today? Is that no. how you feel? No, I don't. Do you have to change your mind? No, I'm not going to. You're still taking Dak over Wentz next 10 years. I, I like Dak a lot. I understand the other side of the debate. <laughs> Better now, better today than man, yesterday. It's funny. Head to head in prime time can sway a lot oh, of minds. Man. I mean, I'm never going to overcome this. One. It's like two years of great games. It's right, right. I need two years of quantifiable statistics. The only thing that gets me out of that, my only hall pass, is a Super Bowl. Dak has to go win a Super Bowl or beat Carson in a playoff game head to head. Those two things, I win. Otherwise, I'm done for a while. Srudy, my only problem with you here, Will, is. Who asked the, you? What are the chances that <laughs> if you're Mr. Philly and you're an Eagles fan, that you're, you're obviously going to take Wentz over Dak? This is all about you being a Cowboys fan. Yeah, do, do you mind that none of us think you're objective here? I don't like any of you anyway, so I don't care what you think about me. <laughs> I, don't, I don't... You think it's just clear. Any objective observer says Wentz is obviously the right take over Dak. That's what you think. You know me. I'm, you didn't think that a week ago, though, man. That's the problem. No, I'd still... Did I go Dak over You went Wentz? Dak. Did I over Wentz? He did. You took Wentz. Sturdy. Don't mess with this I don't remember this, this conversation. It's a str- I got a steel trap over here. So, you're, <laughs> so you tell me, Ryan Rosillo, who took Dak a week or two ago when we did this, is so swayed by a primetime head-to-head that yeah, now but, it's obvious that any objective person would go, yeah, no, that's Will, not you're what a I'm homer doing. on this. You know what I'm doing here. You know what I'm doing. I'm just... I'm freaking me? I'm teeing you up to see where you go with this thing, but I think I'm doing. I'm not. I'm not. We had, we had primetime Wentz on a Thursday nighter. Was it the Washington game? Everybody loved him too. Four touchdowns. He didn't throw for a ton. Uh, I think they're actually closer. I do think that they're closer. And to do this today feels. To do it today, it's not the right day to do it. It's mean to me. Can I propose one, propose one quick rule change? When you throw a pass that hits the receiver in the hands or the chest and bounces up and then is intercepted, that's not on you. That's on the receiver. We should put that stat on the receiver. Peterman had one of those. His first yesterday. That wasn't Peterman's fault. And Dak's first one to Terrence Williams, not his fault. The other three are not good. They both can do things when things break down um, better than other quarterbacks. I believe that they both have that skill, which is a really important thing to have. When everything's falling apart, can you find a way to go ahead and make a play? And just because Dak couldn't do it last night doesn't mean he's he's done it. He's it done was his worst game as a Dallas yeah. Cowboy. So today's today's not the day to do that, even if most people would still be on Wentz. Coming up, we got Booger McFarlane, all things college football, and his thoughts on the Baker Mayfield punishment that Lincoln Riley just announced last hour. We'll get you that latest news coming up here with Will Kane, the Rosillo Show, ESPN Radio. Now that Human Resources Director Fernando Pino has Kronos for HR, payroll, talent, and time, he's completely crushing it. 
He even has his own hype song. Supporting our entire workforce, everyone has different hours, skill sets, and pay grades. Motivating and engaging our people every step of the way. Kronos, HR solutions for the modern workforce and the people who support them. Learn more at Kronos.com slash HR Swagger. I'm on the top, I'm gonna rise up. I'm on the top, top, I'm gonna rise up. I'm on the top. Tim Asselbeck will be with us for about 30 minutes, getting back to all the NFL stuff with Will Kane today. We got Booger McFarland right now on the Rosilla Show, brought to you by Goodyear. Tires as hardworking as college football's most blimp-worthy athletes. Goodyear, official sponsor of the college football playoff. Booger, let's start with the Baker Mayfield stuff. We just heard from Lincoln Riley last hour that he's going to suspend Baker for an undetermined amount of time to start of the game. So he's not going to start. We don't know how long it's going to be. He's not going to be a captain. What do you make of the whole Baker Mayfield story from how he acted on the sidelines against Kansas and that news from last hour? Uh, well, I'll, I'll take the on the field stuff at Kansas first. I, I think, you know, those of us that have played football have seen worse. Uh, and there are a lot of things that happen on the football field. Uh, the gamesmanship kind of with the Kansas players not shaking his hand. Uh, he's saying, okay, I got you now. A couple late hits during the game. Uh, I've seen worse on the football field. I, I, I truly hate that the fans had to see that because sometimes when the fans see how the sausage is made, they don't like to eat it anymore. But that's just how it goes in the sport of football. Uh, as far as you separate the football aspect from the Heisman focus, because I think there are two different aspects of this. Everybody wants to lump it together. I look at it as two separate things, the acts on the field and then him being the front runner for the Heisman focus. So now let's move on to part two. As far as the Heisman Trophy is concerned, this award has always been put forth to me as a award that not only rewards the outstanding football player, but they want somebody that exhibits that also uh, has some integrity. And I think when you look at Baker Mayfield's history, the fact that there's video out there of him running from police, the fact that he's been arrested, the fact that uh, even going back to when he was a Texas Tech, he was kicked out of restaurants, like the list of things that this young man has been through is long. You couple that with the planting of the, the flag at midfield in Columbus, what happened Saturday, I don't know if I were a Heisman voter that I would feel comfortable voting for him uh, for this award based on all of that. Now, I understand it. I get it. Some guys are going to vote for him. I, I, I truly respect your opinion. As far as what happened uh, a couple of hours ago with Lincoln Riley, I think Lincoln understands that what makes Baker Mayfield, Baker Mayfield, is everything that we just talked about. His brashness, his bravado, everything that you see on the field, the moxie that he has, the chip on his shoulder, is what makes Baker Baker. And he respects that as a young coach. He maybe sees some of himself in Baker Mayfield. So I get it. I think the fact that you're going to suspend him is more for public perception than it is for anything else. Booger, what does that mean? You don't know if you'd feel comfortable voting for him for Heisman. You mean you wouldn't vote for him for Heisman? Well, when you read the mission statement of the Heisman, it simply says this. The Heisman Trophy annually recognizes the outstanding college football player whose performance best exhibits the pursuit of excellence with integrity. Now, Will, you're one of the smartest people I know in my life. You listen to that mission statement, and you listen to everything that we talked about with Baker Mayfield. Can you honestly say that Baker Mayfield represents that mission statement? No. Because I can't. I can't. And, if, and if I were a voter 
and I was stuck on this high horse like some of these voters will be, I don't know if I could vote for him. I'm not saying I wouldn't, but it's not as clear as it was, uh, I don't know, probably a month or so ago. That's all I'm saying. I'm not saying I, I would because right now, because no. right now there's really no one else to vote for. If you really want to be honest with you, right. like if you took Baker Mayfield out, who else are you voting for? Lamar Jackson? They don't want him to win it twice in a row. Saquon Barkley? He's fell off. Uh, Bryce Love? He's not really – I mean, he's in, not in the lineup. Like, who else are we voting for if we don't vote for Baker Mayfield? So I think that's the – that's the conundrum the Heisman voter is in right now. No, I hear you, and I think you make great points, and I think that that does ding his integrity. Now, I don't want to get into a Heisman debate because I'd rather ask you about UCLA versus Florida and these things, but I will say whatever our our, our um, barometer on integrity and whatever the – how much is too much, it's hard to reconcile. You know, We have examples, whether it be Jameis or Cam, who guys who've had incidents – more serious than what's going on with Baker right now, and still won the Heisman. So I don't know. Like, do we start now? Do we start the integrity thing today? What? What? what why? How do we reconcile all that stuff? I think you make a good point, Will. And, and as I said at the beginning of the interview, I, I want to make sure everyone understands. I'm looking at this two, through two different prisms. One, the football guy on the field. Hey, what he did Saturday, I've seen worse. I've been a part of worse. I got no problem with that as a football player. That's part of the game. All that stuff that went on, that's part of it. I'm fine with that. As it pertains to the Heisman Trophy, you're right with the integrity part. And I think he's going to win the Heisman Trophy, partly because, one, he's been the best college football player consistently all year long, and, two, because there's really no one else. I think if we, if we really were to be honest, LeBron Jackson is having just as good a year this year as he had last year, but his team is not that good, so he's not going to win it. But I understand your point when you talk about integrity because there have been examples in the past where the people that vote for the trophy really don't worry about the integrity. They just go for the quarterback, usually with the best stats. All right, Booger, if you're Chip Kelly, what do you do if all these jobs are open? Wow. Uh, Chip wants to coach again. I think we all know that. I I, I think if if I were Chip, I would ask myself this. Where am I going to be the most happy? Uh, Not where can I win, because he won a lot at Oregon, but where can I be the most happy? And the only person truly that can answer that really, Ryan, is, is Chip. If it were me, I'd go to Florida because Florida, to me, is the bigger program that's open right now. And right now, that's all we have to go off off of. UCLA's open. Texas A&M may come open. I don't want to speculate on that, depending on what happens with Kevin Sumlin, Auburn, so on and so forth. But I think knowing what we know now with what programs are open, I'd go to Florida. Now, the facilities aren't great, but when you talk about a history of winning, when you talk about the ability to recruit in your own backyard, you don't have to go far, uh, and you challenge yourself. I think the biggest thing about Chip Kelly is this. If you look at his last two coaching stops, Ryan, he's failed. Okay? Philadelphia, San Francisco, he's failed. All right? So now if I'm Chip Kelly and I want to come back and say, you know what, I'm pretty good at this coaching thing, and I want to let everybody know that even though I failed, I'm still one of the best guys out there. Don't you want to challenge yourself in the best conference in the country in the SEC? Yeah, you could go to UCLA, and you could go on the West Coast, and you could deal with and dabble out there in the Pac-12, and people will forget about you with Pac-12 after dark. But if you want to challenge yourself and let everyone know that you're still one of the best coaches in America, you go to Florida, you take on everybody in the East, you deal with the big bad monster known as Nick Saban, you deal with LSU every year, and you announce to the college football world that guess what? I'm back, I'm better than ever, and I'm still one of the best coaches in America. I think we got like a minute left, Booker, but i got to ask you, how seriously should we take the idea that Jimbo Fisher would leave Florida State for Texas A&M or anywhere else that might come open? Um, I wouldn't take it very seriously. Jimbo has dibbled and dabbled with LSU, and Ryan can get into that if he wants to. Um, he, he's been there, done that. But in the end, Jimbo has always come back to Florida State. It's a top-ten job in the country. 
Um, you've got players galore in your own backyard. You've built something there. Your recruiting base is strong. You've been recruiting. Yeah, this has been a bad year. I get it. But you don't jump ship now when Florida State, every time you've gone back to Florida State saying, yeah, you know, my contract really isn't great. They've added another year. They've added a couple more million dollars. So I think the people at Florida State now are basically saying, all right, Jimbo, either you're with us or you're not. And I don't think they're going to add any more money to the contract. I think Jimbo is going to have to make a decision. I want to be at Tallahassee because if he wants them to go back and add some more money in Jimmy Sexton, they're not going to add any more money, and they'll let Jimbo walk. I don't think Jimbo wants to leave, and I don't know really any advantage you gain from going to the ACC to the SEC. So if I were him, I'd stay at Florida State. Hey, Booger, thanks, man. Great weekend. Thanks, Booger. Anytime. Later, fellas. All right, there's Booger McFarlane, one of our college football analysts, part of the ABC crew on Saturdays. we get Tim Hasselbeck. We want to ask him about the Tyrod stuff. Uh, I don't know. There's a million things we still haven't hit on NFL-wise because he just had that Baker Mayfield news come down. So. Right. All right, we're going to hang out with Tim for the next 30 minutes or so right here with Will Kane, The Rosillo Show, ESPN Radio. Today's horoscope brought to you by GEICO. Capricorns, today is a perfect day for romance and fun-filled activities with your partner. And by fun-filled activities, we mean shopping for car insurance. Luckily, you'll find that switching to GEICO could save you hundreds of dollars a year. You'll keep this day of romance going at the hardware store by arguing for half an hour over the color of your backsplash. Love is indeed in the air, Capricorns. GEICO, 15 minutes could save you 15% or more. We got Tim Hasselbeck with us the next 30 minutes. Right here with Will Kane on the Rosillo Show on ESPN Radio. A lot of travel. I know Will's headed down to Texas, but he's going to be here for a couple of days. Yep. Really? Going to Texas, huh? What are you doing? Going to visit the Bennetts? <laughs> what does that wow. mean, Tim? What does uh, that so mean? Last time I was that here, I could just what are you saying? <laughs> last time I was here, I could just, you know, it was weird. You just were like going after all. You of were them. the one that went in, not me. I don't remember what you're talking about. Well, let's I'll talk tell you about... what I'm doing. Can I tell you what I'm yeah. doing? Because I just want to say this. Yeah, sure. going back to Texas for Thanksgiving. Mm hmm. Don't tell Stephen A. this. Live, first take from the hometown, Sherman, Texas. Oh, really? City Limits Bar and Grill. Big Texas turnout. Nice. Be there. You'll have like a, um, like a home crowd cheering for you. That's right. On first take. That'll That's be good. Right. I deserve that because you, you know how do. many times I've been in enemy territory? <laughs> really? Wow. Outside of Texas, pretty much? Yeah. Right. Anywhere outside of Texas, <laughs> maybe even North Texas. You're, you're such an underdog, Will. <laughs> let's uh, let's do something that's that's a little less hostile. Uh, I'm kidding. The Tyrod Taylor debate this weekend picked up big time. Uh, there are two camps: the one that thinks Tyrod is completely wrong, and somehow he became even better after Peterman's performance yesterday. Uh, I'm more in the camp of like, if the team wanted to make a change, I can't can't express like that I know better than they do, but people make mistakes. So I guess that's right. just sort of an open-ended way of getting into this thing. I didn't like, I'll just kind of give you my position and was on the record. I didn't like the move before they made it. I felt like, and I think I've talked to you guys as much about it, is that I feel like Tyrod was creating offense for them. They they do not have good receivers. Um, Charles Clay, who's been their best pass catcher outside of McCoy, um, was injured. I mean, they just, he was, Tyrod was creating a lot on his own, and I, quite frankly, thought he was playing pretty darn well considering the circumstances. And this is for a guy that was told basically, hey, we're not going to pay you what you thought you were going to make on your current deal, so make less money or we're going to cut you. And so he did. He decided to redo his deal and, um, you know, was making less than most, you know, starters that are roughly his age. So I, I think Tyrod has handled the situation actually really well. Um, the move to go to Peterman when you're 5-4 and four, um 
if the playoffs were going to start before this past weekend, they're in. Like they're they're in a situation where they potentially so the Buffalo Bills now be a playoff team if they continue to do in the second half what they did the first half of the season. That's a big deal for the Bills. What do you make of this argument that Tyrod was not implementing the game plan the way the coaching staff wanted it to be implemented? He was leaving plays on the field, wasn't making the reads that they I, wanted I him to make. I would disagree, and I'd sit down and watch it with anyone that wants to go over it. Really? I mean, listen, every quarterback can mess stuff and make mistakes and things of that nature, but I think the the thing that closes the door on that argument is if you look at the five interceptions that Peterman throws in the first half, mind you, in the first half of the game this weekend, two of them are his fault. Two of them are Peterman's fault. Three of them aren't. And some of them have to do with offensive line play. And so part of what Tyrod did was when it was, you know, when it was ugly and there was guys falling in his lap, he just took off and ran around and maybe fell forward for a couple yards or he avoided bad plays. Okay, one more then. If it's not that, and Ryan and I have played sound from Andy Benoit from Sports Illustrated and others who said that's the reason they moved on, that he is leaving stuff on the field that they want him to be doing. But if it's not that, if you're not saying that. the field doesn't, okay, and we know the numbers are good for Tyrod, 10, intercept, 10 touchdowns and three interceptions. Good. I'm telling you, if I want to do the pro number thing with Tyrod, I could do that all day. If I want, you want me to do the Here's what I would say, though. Here's, 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 here's what I'd say. Touchdowns and interceptions are good, and then you look at his interceptions. I know Sunday Countdown did a thing on I mean, two of his interceptions were like the one that Peterman threw this past week that went off of DeMarco's hands and was the first one. Right. You know, so... Okay, then why did he... Why was... This is my question. You know why? Why was he benched? Because they don't want to make him a cornerstone of their franchise in terms of what they're building at the most important position, uh, you know, on the field. So they don't think he's good. So So, they don't think he's good. So and what they want to do is... And they want to find out... No, no, no. No, listen... He's good, but like if I was Sean McDermott, and I don't know how long his deal is, say he has a four-year deal well, or something like that. First year, of okay, this well, thing. right, right. I would not want to make him like the guy that I was building it all around. I, I just, I, I wouldn't. But do I think Tyra can play like a starter? Sure, I do. But is he Kirk Cousins? No, I don't believe he is. So what I would say is this: the, what they're what they're doing is they're saying we don't care that we're five and four, and we actually don't need to be good this year. Like this is the least important year for us to be good, so we need to find out if Peterman can play. So and that's so all this cares? was. Yes, eight games into the season. Oh, they're five and five and four. Nine games into the season, they say, "Eh, mail it in. Let's see what we got." With no, Peterman. I think that what they're saying is they obviously like Peterman. They drafted him fairly high. You know, quite honestly, higher than I thought that Peterman would have gone. Um, and they want to. They want to see if he can play to see what their need at quarterback really is. Listen, I, I it's awful to me. It this idea that like, hey, he's he's slow to get through his progression. He's uh like is he a perfect player? No, he's not a perfect player. But did, who thought Buffalo was gonna be good this year? Uh not many of us. I mean they're they're changing over the front office. They're getting rid of some of their bigger-name guys. I mean, they make trades. They're like, we're cleaning house, although some of the trades have worked out for them. It felt like at 5-2 and two, they were piecing this thing together. They were the example of that NFL team. It's like, we don't need any of you if you're not on the same page with us. And now you're going, where's all the talent? So the defense is falling apart here in a few weeks. I I can totally my, – my biggest gripe with the whole thing was that I can understand a coaching staff going, we just don't think we're getting enough. Let's see what the other guy has. And on Sunday, when Peterman has a game he has, it's this—it's like the biggest injustice of the NFL season that Tyrod's not playing a game. 
and that I thought was excessive. Well, I just I think also the reaction afterwards, like oh, there's I mean even McDermott's comments today. Well, what's he supposed to do though? Go, you go. You're right, guys. I suck. No, I think you say you know what we thought he was ready to handle it. He wasn't. But then you could argue, well, now he's beating up on a kid who's a rookie and he can't hurt his confidence. Then <laughs> he wasn't ready to go out there if that's the case. All right, coming up next, Denver fired their OC. What is going on there? That's what Tim Hasselbeck coming up next for Silla Show.